Welcome back, everyone, to the Fluid Fan Podcast, brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. I'm your host, Angela Ruggiero, four-time Olympian in ice hockey and CEO of Sports Innovation Lab. Uh, We are a market research and strategy company that really focuses on the intersection of sports and tech. Our mission every day is to help the industry, our clients create breakthrough fan experiences through technology and understand the fluid fan. That's how you connect. You obviously need to use technology. It's the means, but the greater end is better servicing the future fan, the fluid fan. If you want to learn more about our research, any of our latest tools, log on to sportsilab.com. Lots of free uh, support for the industry or reports and and other resources that really go in depth around the fluid fan, which is what this podcast circles around. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the fluid fan, the hypothetical, what would it look like? There's a lot of research, obviously, that we've created over the last four years since founding this company. Today's guest has actually applied that research. I'm extremely honored to have my good friend, John Patrickoff, the CEO and co-founder of Athletes Unlimited, join me on the show today. John's going to tell you all about Athletes Unlimited today, but at its core, Athletes Unlimited is a new network of professional sports leagues that are disrupting the traditional sports model. It officially launches this Sunday, August 30th, with the sport of softball in Chicago. And again, Athletes Unlimited is all about empowering athletes and creating new fluid fans experiences. I love this league. One, it's all about the athlete. And as a four-time Olympian, spent myself 16 years playing ice hockey for Team USA, then went on to be a member of the Athletes Commission at the IOC. I was the chair there for, for two years, looking at all athletes' issues, right? And Athletes Unlimited is focused, this, this core mission is to empower athletes, give them a greater say in control over outcomes. And that was central to both John and Jonathan Soros, his co-founder. But also we're going to dive into the application of the fluid fan research and bringing it to life through this league. So Again, we've been working with John and his team since the inception of Athletes Unlimited, and really we'll get into it. We had a whiteboard coming up with, again, if fluid fans look differently, how do we create a league that actually services those fans? It isn't, again, the same rinse and repeat, lift and shift model. If you could start from scratch, what would a league look like? And that's what Athletes Unlimited has created. So- I still serve on the advisory board. We still do work with his team, but I'm so excited for this conversation today with John Patrickoff, where he's going to dive into what this league is and why we should all tune in in a few short days. A quick backdrop of John before we dive into the conversation. He's a member of our Fluid Fan Leadership Board, but before creating Athletes Unlimited, he spent a ton of time with New York City Football Club, Tribeca Enterprises. He went to Harvard, Harvard Business School. He's got a really interesting background, uh, again, with with sports organizations, with entertainment organizations, and obviously a great uh, educational background. Um, He's forward-thinking, innovative, really a leader in, in the sports industry. So without further ado, let me welcome my guest and good friend, the CEO and co-founder of Athletes Unlimited, John Patrickoff, to the Fluid Fan Podcast. Welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast. I am your host, Angela Ruggiero. Uh, Very excited today to have 
John Patrickoff, the CEO and co-founder of Athletes Unlimited. John, thanks for joining. This is going to be a fun conversation. Thanks, Angela. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible moment for, for all of us at Athletes Unlimited. And, and I'm just excited to talk today. So we're a few days out from the launch. For listeners that are tuning in when this drops, very exciting league. I want to talk about it. Before we get into Athletes Unlimited, quickly just for, for backstory on you, your prior role was with New York City Football Club. Um, you were a board member and president there, a current board member, but ran oversee the operations for, for that. And prior to that, part of the uh, Tribeca Enterprises you know, executive team as the president and COO there. Tell us a little bit about your background before we dive into what led you to Athletes Unlimited. Yeah, uh, sure. So, you know, it's interesting. When I got out of college, my professional career started actually at Disney and I was in their strategic planning group kind of right out of school. And that was in the late 1990s. And it was an amazing time for kind of the media industry. Uh, It really was a pivotal moment, right? Like that was the birth of the consumer internet. And Disney had just acquired Capital Cities ABC, of which the major asset was ESPN. And I got to spend basically most of my three years working Um, alongside the the management team of ESPN at that time on a lot of new growth initiatives, a lot of changes in their business. And that was really where I started. And it really set the tone for my career uh, thereafter. I went to graduate school, then I worked in private equity on the media side, and then I got to Tribeca. And I joined Tribeca early um, in in, in 2005, um, which sounds like a long time ago. Um, It was a long time ago. And it was an incredible moment because Robert De Niro, Jane Rosenthal, and Craig Hatkoff had started the Tribeca Film Festival after 9-11. It was this incredible kind of civic undertaking. And I really helped them grow that business and that venture to expand into a whole host of different areas, film distribution, uh, growing the film festival, expanding it overseas, a partnership with ESPN that was a sports film festival. And that was a really an amazing 11 years. And then I moved over to NYCFC and, and had a great moment um, while soccer and the sport really just just hit an incredibly booming trajectory, especially in MLS, which uh, honestly was hard for me to imagine. But when I joined, even in those early days, the league was still a little bit under the radar. And then the course of three years, it, it, it just dramatically increased in terms of profile and success. And then, you know, when I was finished with my role as president there, I really was excited and focused on kind of what was next and where did I see opportunities. And that really led me to women's pro sports and my partnership ultimately with Jonathan Soros, who is my co-founder in Athletes Unlimited. So interesting backstory, obviously working in the media space, in the entertainment space at the end of the day. You're bringing that sports media entertainment background, met Jonathan Soros or had a, obviously a relationship with him, had a vision. Walk us through. So Athletes Unlimited, first of all, is kicking off this weekend, August 30th in Chicago. Give us a snapshot of what it is. They want to start with like, how did you get here? Because it's such a unique concept. Yeah. So we kick off this weekend. Athletes Unlimited is a network of pro sports leagues that all follow a very disruptive and new model for professional team sports. Um, The concept is uh, you take a group of athletes, um, the best in their their sport, you bring them together in one city for a six-week season. And the structure of the game is such that, of the league, of each league, is such that uh, athletes actually accumulate points based on how well they do and how well their team does. And they switch teams each week. 
and there's an individual leaderboard that is always tracking their performance. So players are playing with a group uh, one week, they are accumulating points. Um, at the end of the week, the top four players become captains for the following week, and it goes so on and so forth. And the and the person who's at the top of the leaderboard is the champion of Athletes Unlimited for that season. So it's uh, it's a totally new structure. It was designed pre-COVID. Obviously, a lot of leagues now are, are kind of centered in one city and one location, but that was our model for kind of the, the long term. And each of those leagues that we start off with softball right now, and then volleyball will happen next February, and then the network will grow, and we're very close to launching our third sport, which will will start next summer. So we're going to have these sports up and running. Uh, each one will follow a similar model. And we really think the whole idea is, is, you know, fans are interested in individual athletes. We'll get more into this, I know. Yeah, so let's get into that. So um, we met last summer. High-level fantasy come to life. You're following athletes. The athletes are accumulating points. And that was actually a key concept when you came to Sports Innovation Lab. I remember having those early conversations with you around this idea of the fluid fan and that they follow individual athletes more than teams now. And that's something obviously you and Jonathan Soros and the extended team of Athletes Unlimited have leaned into. It's a new model. It's disruptive. It's going to potentially upend what we're currently seeing for sports in all of sports. So tell us again a little bit about how you saw that. I know obviously it, it touches on our research and how that, that first idea came to fruition. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm hopeful that we're kind of maybe, maybe we'll hold the reputation or will be known as kind of the first maybe league that came directly out of kind of the formative work that you guys did around the fluid fan. But that's, I remember our, our, our initial meetings kind of uh, in June of, of last year, um, now almost what, uh, 14 months ago. And we started to talk. And when you started to tell us about the fluid fan and the fluid fan research, it was literally like, okay, well, we are thinking exactly the same way. And then you guys helped us so much. So it was really so many of the, the key elements. One, it's about values. This is an, an athlete led organization. Um, there are no team owners and, and, and players, so to speak. We've tried to We've put together the athletes and the team owners. They're involved in every level of decision-making. So just quickly on that, because I know that was important in the beginning, athletes own a portion of the league in the ownership structure, the governance structure. There's, there's actually aligned incentives for your athletes, your workforce, if you will. And, and that's something we don't see in a lot of sports right now with all the collective bargaining agreements and the us versus them. I mean, as the former chair of the athletes commission at the IOC. I mean, this is, this is like unheard of that an, a league would actually align with the athletes. <laughs> I mean, and, and, I, and I'll just like, uh, so yes, on the macro level, that's exactly right. And that's kind of what's most important. And then you take it literally down to the micro level and this will be like a small example, but I'm sitting here, you know, I'm in, in Rosemont, Illinois, right outside Chicago. And we're dealing with certain policy issues like about travel or, or, playing schedules. And literally last night, I'm on the phone with our player executive committee. And we're talking through that both as CEO and my and, and my director of finance was on and operations. And, and we're there with the player executive committee yeah. talking about it. And we just, we collaborate on all these yeah. things. I think that's just such a unique model. So it goes from the very high level of board governance, ownership and alignment. And then it gets all the way down to day-to-day -day decision making. Yeah. Where we've really tried to build this together with the athletes. Mm -hmm. Which I love. Again, I remember those early conversations and the work we did to help really get this off the ground. It's literally fluid fan come to life. It's our applied research. It's 
the alignment, again, you said of values of, of the founders of the league of let's empower these athletes and let's create aligned incentives. So it's not, there isn't skepticism, especially with you know, right, COVID we're in the middle of like, are they going to protect us? Or are they not like you're, you're on these calls and I'm, I've been privy to some of these conversations. It's about what's in the best interests of, of the players and ultimately the league, which I love. What about the, you know, you guys planned it really well. Some of our early work was let's not tour. That's a really unique model. It obviously decreases your costs relative to a, a franchise model where you have to pay for these venues that you don't use year round, but no one's ever done. I mean, now everyone's doing the bubble, the one location you, you were, you were pre set that up. What, what really provoked that as well? Yeah, I mean, there, there were two factors. I mean, one is is there were some practical considerations. You're exactly right. Like I'd come out of MLS, I'd seen kind of what it meant to to work day in and day out as an organization, um, you know, trying to sell tickets and working hard on that. And I saw what was going on in other leagues and general discussion about what is it what does it look like to fill big stadiums and stadiums up. We're actually now getting reduced in size, which was a, a fascinating concept. The people who built large 60,000 seat stadiums were actually trying to reduce capacity, reduce travel, wear and tear for the athletes and all of that. But, but I think more importantly, what it really emphasizes is that we wanted to tell stories. We wanted to focus on content. We really wanted to set up our venue as an incredible kind of content studio, so to speak. And so for a new league, you know, as opposed to worrying about renting venues in 10 different cities and traveling around and picking up and packing, like we are kind of taking residence in one venue and we are going to outfit it and invest in content creation and storytelling and really set it up to, to be world-class. And for us, that was really the focus. And, mm-hmm. you know, we intended when we started out to have fans in the stadium and, and have them here, obviously that's changed and, and we're not having fans, but nonetheless, that the idea was in the course of a short season, compressed where every moment counts, you certainly could do that in, in a, in a, in a six week season. And so yeah, that was, which, that was which again aligns with our research. Uh, again, this is the fluid fan podcast. We talk about the fluid fan a lot. Global was about reach and, and just eyeballs. Fluid is about, look, there's amount of depth to these fans. They want to know more. If your venue now is a media studio, as opposed to like just selling for ticket sake, you're really creating content, selling to a larger audience. So you get both the eyeballs, but the depth by creating a studio, by creating a a foundation for your athletes to lean in. I imagine your athletes were pumped about this. You know, obviously you're going to have softball, you're going to do volleyball next year. I was part of the early conversations recruiting these athletes. What's been the feedback thus far? I know we're about to start, but just are athletes excited about this? It's a different way to think about me versus team, but also you're giving them this amazing platform and doing things very differently. What's been the feedback from the athletes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if we're, you know, going back and, and I, and I put myself back to kind of where we were a year ago at this time, you were around the table, right? You and Josh and the team at sports innovation lab were helping us. We were designing this on literally, you know, blank pieces of paper and coming up with the concept and we're talking about the scoring system. And you will remember early days, right? Like uh, back, back in, last summer, we didn't know which would be our first sport. So we ended up with softball and then volleyball. And I'm feeling incredibly, you know, thankful that we did. I mean, these were two sports that have, in the case of softball, a huge collegiate presence, um, do really well on television. Um, There are a lot of fans around the country, a lot of participation, a lot of history. And then with volleyball, you're talking about just a massive global sport, you know, 900 million people participate in the sport around the world. So we were at that point so early in in those days and we were saying, okay, let's go 
and you helped us and we set up some conversations early on with athletes in both sports. And, and I think there's like a healthy dose of skepticism. I don't think athletes, rightfully so, right? You know, you come to them with a new league, a new format, you're talking about whole changes and, and they're saying, all right, well, can't we just do it the way we've always done it? And what really was amazing was those initial conversations we presented this and it still is an additional opportunity to what you're doing. So go play in your traditional league. We'll, we'll, we'll find a time in the calendar when this can be a supplemental opportunity. I think that was a big part of this. Like we're not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, take out an incumbent or, or, or make you choose between either, or there were a few athletes that joined on early on. They, I, I give them so much credit. They jumped in with us. I think they had confidence in us as, as individuals. And we got to build a, like a sense of trust. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like anything else after the first few, and it took a while to get the next few and it took a while to get the next few. And then by early, you know, earlier this year, re- the gates started to open up um, yep. and more jumped on. And we've now seen that um, if it took us six months to sign the first, let's say 30 athletes on softball, we've been able to do that like in three months on volleyball mm-hmm. and our roster for volleyball and we're all we're still like six seven months out is basically almost full like we've had an incredible influx of of talent so i think that the athletes then have gotten so into the idea um we still emphasize that the way you 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 still get the most points in the league is by your team performance so you still have to be a team player your team has to do well Um, if your team wins an inning you're going to get points team wins the game you're gonna get points um, but it is a new model. And, yep. you know, they, they always say they're top level competitors, as you know, too well. And everyone's excited to kind of come out and just play hard and know that you're not going to be stuck on like a cellar dweller for the entire season. Right. I think that's one of the things we love and we like to talk about with the athletes is it's not going to rely on being stuck in, in a team with, you know, bad dynamics or, a, a, you know, a coach that you don't get along with. You're going to switch every week and you're going to have a chance to perform at your best and, and yeah. accordingly. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's super exciting, obviously. And I remember those those whiteboarding days, those blank sheet of paper days. It's it's a it's a luxury that most professional leagues don't have. They they're beholden to the old way of doing business, maybe long term contracts, long term rights. Whereas you had a vision, obviously, you worked with us and and had applied some of the, our research. Um, what's the biggest opportunity in your mind again you you started from scratch which i love you could truly innovate um we've talked about putting fantasy or sports betting opportunities around au since it really is fantasy come to life you've obviously enabled the athletes um there's some there's a there's a laundry list of i think really interesting case studies coming out of au what's the biggest opportunity you think in terms of how you're doing things differently yeah, I, I mean, listen, I think that the reality is it's the result of a lot of things coming together. I mean, in other words, you could take athlete ownership and that could be its one element of it. And um, you could take, you know, condensing a season and that's another element of it. You could take the storytelling piece and that's another. You could take the athlete causes platform, which we're so excited about. The fact that the players, we, we've, we've helped line up every player with a cause that they care about. And, and as a startup league to really info, you know, kind of integrate charitable giving and, and, and cause related marketing right off the bat. Like it's, 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 the, it's the collection of all of these things. There's not one thing. I think at the end of the day, we come back to athlete led organization where every moment counts. 
and that's really the, the, the key. It's got to be great on the field. It's got to yeah. be an amazing environment. The fans, you know, the, the players have to be happy and, and, and satisfied and feel like it's an awesome environment for them. But it's really that, that, that combination of things. It's not, yeah. it's not one of them. Well, and I love that point too. Um, it's about the action. We know that, you know, sports is sold when the content is great. And so it isn't a, you know, you haven't really said women's that often, even though there are, you're starting with women's leagues. And I, this is a key point for me as a, you know, big women's advocate and a Olympic athlete myself, it's about awesome sport. And these, these athletes are amazing. You've put together a really dynamic way to follow them, to create more content so that you can cheer them on and they, they win the leaderboard and potentially downstream pretend softball goes well, volleyball goes well. Obviously you've mentioned other sports that you're looking at. What's the vision for AU? Like what, 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 where will this be in five years in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, so for us, this network of of pro sports leagues, I mean, to me will reach into so many different dimensions. So I, I, what I would hope and, and, and what we're really striving for is first and foremost, we want to give the athletes the ability to play professional sports for a living. Um, right now, they really can't do that, as you know all too well. I mean, the conversations with with um, the athletes um, on the women's side, and, and, and honestly, in a lot of men's sports, right, that are kind of second or third level, that, that, that don't get as much exposure. Like, I, I think people, it's, it's a weird one, but, you know, the stories that I've, I've heard that, like, really touched me in the last couple of weeks, even more so than before, is, you know, hearing athletes say, like, you know, when I tell people I play professional softball for a living, they're like, well, what, go get a real job. Like, and that kind of like idea, we just want to transform, right? We want we want to give uh, a clear vision that you can be a pro, you can uh, have a you can make a living doing these sports. And then our vision beyond that is to grow it out so that we can create a media platform that's combined with an event platform that really reaches um, you know a global audience. And and you see what that uh, ability um, of big, big established leagues is to kind of reach people and engage people and have a positive influence on people. And that's, that's, I think what we want to accomplish. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm cheering you on. I'm on your athlete advisory board. You're doing a lot, obviously for sports, you're innovating, obviously wish, wish you guys the best of luck. Let's move on to like a practical level COVID obviously has hit the industry hard. And you already mentioned the the bubble model that, you know, will be largely what you guys are doing in Chicago with softball. What's your approach to COVID? You're one of the few leagues that are actually, you know, happening and, you know, you're not just trying to fit something in, you're doing it for the first time. Tell me about COVID and that its impact on, on, you know, what, what you're going to deliver here in a few days. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, it is interesting. Our, the journey together we've taken with you and, and Josh and sports innovation lab. I mean, you know, you guys were there at the beginning, even before we had any sports lined up or the model refined anything, we worked on all that together. And then it's, it's interesting when you ask about COVID, cause I remember back in March, if I'm not mistaken, like you and Josh were one of the first people to like set up a industry like get together to talk about what was going on. And I remember those days and it was really confusing and, and a lot of people were awesome. I remember you guys getting us all together and you've actually helped us a lot think through what this environment would look like and what are some of the best practices and what technologies we could use. But it was surreal in the sense that we were always planned to be in one location. We always kind of had this model in place. Um, and so in March, when things started to change and you saw so much uncertainty, I mean, we really never lost a beat. I mean, the main decision that we made was not to have fans, which we made in, in April. But beyond that, we've, we've really been able to continue through 
um, with a lot of our planning. Um, all the players are here. They're in an apartment complex and a hotel right nearby. We're in Rosemont, Illinois, which is a small village right outside O'Hare Airport. And we're here and we have a dedicated facility um, which has an outdoor, incredible outdoor facility. We have an indoor facility with two softball fields, great training environment for the athletes. And um, the, the model, you know, everyone got tested before they arrived in market. Everyone got tested on day one in market, and then they'll get tested twice a week thereafter, you know, obviously enforcing social distancing. And it's a crazy, it's a, it is a crazy uh, new environment um, mm-hmm. for all of us, whether you're staff or whether you're players. And so far, I think people are adjusting well. I mean, people are so excited to get back on the field. I think the athletes know what's at stake. They, a lot of them haven't played uh, in a long time and, you know, hasn't been pro softball uh, since last summer. There hasn't been college softball in a long time. I mean, so you've got um, really a lot of excited and motivated athletes. And the, the goal for us is obviously keep them safe make sure they have a great experience. And then from a fan's perspective, we're really going to try to create what we call a virtual fan experience. I'm really excited about what we've thought about and what we've put up, put together from, from a fan experience standpoint. But I think we're doing some things that, again, fit our model overall. I mean, you know, this concept that our league to begin with, right, was going to be in one location. We knew that not that many fans would ever be able to attend a game in person. And the goal was how do we make it so it's robust and exciting for fans around the world? That follows, by the way, from a huge thing which exists for any established league, whether it's the English Premier League or the NBA. I was always struck by the fact that when you look at it, something like 95% of you know the LA Lakers fans will never come to a game in person, right? They're all over the world. We know where they are. So what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of the future and why are sports teams spending so much of their time on the 5% that they reach in their market and not, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the, you know, Olympics, it's, I think it's like 99.9 and that's the growth opportunity. It's not just eyeballs. It's, it's that type of experience and that depth we, by speaking of, we just launched a report for listeners out there, the future of watching sports a couple of weeks ago, that hits the nail on the head in terms of, Okay, pretend we're not in the venue. Um, what's the future of watching sports look like? And what is the technology and the platforms? And I know you've been thinking about this from day one, John, with our conversations and just that that mindset of, of sports as a media platform and the shoulder content you're creating and the visibility you're giving to your athletes. So I, I couldn't agree more. I think we all want to be in the venue, but it's not really, it's kind of a blip on your on the trajectory here. Um, we could pretend that we plan for it, but, um, (laughs) opportunity, you know, for, or fortuitous, I guess that the COVID's hitting you in that way. Yeah. So I'm curious, or I'm excited, I guess, recently announced that my good friend, Billie Jean King is actually going to help kick things off with a virtual first pitch. So you're getting creative, getting obviously amazing icons like Billie Jean King to participate. Tell us about that or any other ambassadors, athlete champions you have or initiatives for, for the kickoff. Uh, Hopefully talk about Billie Jean because she's amazing and you know, I love her. (laughs) Amazing. And and, and you were so amazing. Like, you know, again, we got connected um, in the early days when we've talked about hockey and what the opera, you know, what's going on in that sport. And obviously she and Alana have taken a big role. um, And you obviously are, you know, very much involved in that sport as many as well as every other sport and you know along this journey over the last year we've just ended up you know connecting with a lot of different people who um, I think have taken an interest in what we're doing and believe in in this kind of new way new way forward and so um, as part of the fan experience I would say the core of what we're trying to do is to 
give fans a way to get actively involved and feel like they're interacting with athletes in a very different way. So I would say the core of the fan experience for us is, is the launch of what we're calling the Unlimited Club, which is our kind of paid product where fans will be able to sign up. And what that will let you do is one, you'll get unique access to players in game. So we will actually have cameras and dugout cameras in this in, in the in the dugouts. Um, you'll be able to interact with players during the games, which I think will be really cool, never been done before. Um, and then we will have a lot of voting opportunities. So part of our scoring system has players coming off the field at the end of a game and voting on who they think the MVPs of the game are. Fans who are part of the Unlimited Club will also vote alongside those players. So you'll actually have a say in, in basically um, and, and a role in, in determining the outcome of the points and the standings. Um, you'll also be able to vo vote on a lot of different elements around the games themselves. Um, so really giving fans access um, and feeling like uh, they can be connected and have an input mm -hmm. in into what happens. That, that's really, I think, the core of what we want to try to create with that fan experience. And then things like the virtual first pitch, that was really just, you know, adjusting to the time. So not only uh, Billie Jean, um, herself, but also Natalie Portman, who's been really involved with the launch of this new NWSL team in, 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 uh, in LA, um, Senator Tammy Duckworth, president of uh, the NACP, Sharon Leifel. So we've got a great list of, of athletes, also civic leaders. And again, they're all going to be throwing out the first pitch from home and uh, each game will have a different um, notable person leader um, thrown out the thrown out mm -hmm. first pitch. That's great. No, that sounds really interesting. And you you hit a you're you know on a number of points related to athlete driven media, immerse, immersive media, next gen sponsorship. I'd like to get into a sponsor question next, but just to play off of the immersive media and all the unique camera angles and things, we talk a lot about um, fluid fans. In this year's research that we published, it's about the behavior you're looking to elicit from that fan. So not just watching passively at home, you've really created ways for fans to do something, to lean in, participate, have agency in the league. Is that been, you know, are there any other examples you can share or is that really just a core piece of your strategies to give fans more than they could typically get by watching at home? Um, since again, you, you've talked about how this really is a media play at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those are the key elements. I mean, I think that for us, one thing we ha we did decide on the media strategy we're bringing to life. So, so we have these hallmark partnerships with ESPN and CBS, and and mm -hmm. and um, we are very excited about that. I mean, for a lot of our athletes, for us, um, we do think giving fans exposure on lots of platforms is important. So where can they watch this again? Yeah. So 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 we have thirty games. Um, our schedule is is on our website auprosports.com. But games will be um, on. ESPN platform. So a number of games will be on ESPN2. ESPN3, which is their digital platform, which is available to any TV subscriber um, that has ESPN, and then CBS Sports Network. So the CBS Sports Network um, will carry seven games. They're, they're our, our lead partner. And then on those games will be, be shown there, all 30 games. And then we've also put in place um, a network of other distribution options. We announced last year, last week um, a, a relationship with Wave and mm -hmm. Brian Byrne and, and the team uh, there. We actually yep. saw, I mean, was I, I sat with at, at, mm -hmm. uh, at the, the Sports Innovation Lab event back at CES. Um, and, you know, Wave is going to be distributing clips and helping repurpose a lot of that content after it airs. And so... We really think that we're going to be able to reach a great younger, uh, 
you know, digital fan base through the, you know, syndication of all that content. And then we're working through and, and have not yet announced a couple of international partners. So there'll be global reach of these games through, through digital platforms. And, um, and we're also going to be um, rebroadcasting games um, on other platforms as well uh, in the United States. So it's really going to be a very comprehensive strategy. We're really fortunate. I mean, one of the things we decided not to do early on was to go with an OTT platform exclusively. Um, and I think that what we're going to end up with is a broad TV reach, but that's going to be complemented by digital reach as well. And so that's the idea. And I think what we all know is, right, younger fans, um, we will see what the consumption is of live games, but we're going to have a partnership with Wave and others that, and our, certainly our own team that's going to be syndicating content out um, in terms of clips and, and other types of, of, of content consumption. Awesome. Yeah. Hopefully you hit on those, those fluid fans out there. Question then, uh, tell us a little bit about, again, your sponsors, because a key thing we discuss a lot is that fluid fans follow values, as you mentioned, the, that, you know, and we're seeing that in our, in our lives. I'm sure all of us at home buy brands that represent who we are or the values that we believe that we represent. And you're seeing that translate into sports. And I imagine some of the partnerships you've created don't just see a financial opportunity to get in front of your eyeballs, but also in alignment with the values of Athletes Unlimited. Talk us any interesting sponsors or new ways that you've you've thought about those partnerships. Yeah. So 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 from a general standpoint overall, and we haven't yet announced kind of our of our, our sponsor lineup, but I've been incredibly um, proud of the of the of the partners that we've lined up as a new property coming out of the gates and in, in sports that honestly have not attracted a lot of sponsorship dollars at a professional level. I mean there there has not been significant investment in softball or volleyball in, in any by any stretch kind of by by corporate partners. Um, in those at the pro level uh, in the United States at all. So we were breaking through into new sports. I think the big things that we really resonated, which is not going to be a surprise to, to you or to, to many of your listeners, is the storytelling and the original content that we're developing. So we knew right off the bat that while we had great media partners, like we've just talked about, that we really had to build our own in-house and content media team. Um, it's led by Anya Alvarez, who's a former uh, LPGA golfer in her own right, and then a uh, someone who'd worked uh, in the media industry and Anya joined the team very early on and she's built a great team. And that's that the vast majority of our full-time employees are actually within the media and content team. So we've developed a lot of original series. One of those has developed in partnership with one of the athletes who's playing softball, AJ Andrews. She's got her own podcast that we worked with AJ on. Um, and then we've developed original series and partners have really gravitated to that. And they're basically almost all of the original content that was in our original slate is now had partners that have come on board and we figured out interesting ways to integrate them into the gameplay and into the broadcast and into the storytelling. So that's been huge. The second part, again, which is not going to be a surprise, it's been such a big topic. I've learned so much from kind of sports innovation lab and the work around this is our athlete innovation lab. So we early on went out with a concept, a concept that we wanted to be consumer facing um, because of COVID, it's really not as much consumer facing, but the concept is we have an athlete innovation lab where we're going to be showcasing the best of new technologies. Um, and so we have a whole group of interesting partners, again, some that we've met through you guys that are uh, focused on athlete and performance, recovery, a whole host of other things. And we're going to have a group of partners that we're going to announce in our athlete innovation lab. And so mm -hmm. I think those two pieces uh, and then the third piece, which we're really uh, also excited about, and I think this is an increasing focus among corporate partners, um, is that we announced last week a partnership with Wolfpack Endeavor, um, Abby Wambuck's uh, leadership 
organization that's done a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies. And she and her team are coming to present and, and provide our athletes with a lot of off, off uh, field training um, and business skills and developmental skills. And we have a couple of corporate partners that have gotten really involved and interested in supporting that effort. So I think there's lots of different dimensions. Uh, I think everybody wants to kind of have meaningful integration. You know, we know the days of kind of slapping logos here and there are long, are long past. And so yeah, those have been like the three big platforms that we've, we've engaged mm-hmm. partners around. And uh, like, like I said, for a small, uh, you know, a new property, it's, it's, uh, it's hard, right? Brands are, brands are taking a leap and we've been so excited to see, you know, a number of incredible brands uh, jump on board. And- yeah. Well, if you look at the temperament with obviously women's sports and the trajectory it's on and, and I always say the ROI for an investment in a startup league versus a big league, you can see it. It's more tangible and the flexibility, the nimbleness of coming to the table with assets that look different than, again, slapping a logo on the walls, you said, or it's a very different value proposition for the industry, which again, is why I loved this project. I loved starting from scratch with you. I loved the values. I love the leadership of your team. And um, so excited for you, John, and the extended team at Athletes Unlimited to launch August 30th. It's it's fluid fan come to life, but it's also, aside from obviously the work we did, it's 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 really, I think, something new for the industry to pay attention to. As you mentioned, amazing platform for the athletes to make a living, to make an impact, to change the rules of the game, and to do it in a very different way that, that will have impact both personally for them, but also at an industry level. So there's so many things you're testing out, which is why, you know, we'll be watching, but I encourage all of our uh, listeners and the broader industry to, to pay attention to Athletes Unlimited. So congratulations on all the work um, and for sharing this story. All right, before I let you go, John, uh, so again, you're listening to John Patrickoff, the CEO uh, and co-founder of Athletes Unlimited, very innovative model, which is why I want to have you on for questions with number four. So thanks for being on this part of the show. Thanks, Angela. <laughs> All right. So the, the very basic, fairly easy, but also very hard to do it succinctly is what does innovation mean to you? So my most influential professor, you know, it, at uh, business school when I was there was Clay Christensen. Oh, thank you. Uh, Sorry, I love father him. of disruptive innovation. And so I got indoctrinated pretty early on. And, and to me, the idea is um, you, you find a way to do something uh, more efficiently, um, less expensively, and in a better way for less money. And, and mm-hmm. you know, in other words, innovation so much is always about adding, adding, adding more. And it, in many ways, it's really not about that. It's about solving a problem in a much quicker and faster and, and easier way. So I'm always, I always remember Clay, Clay's word of like, what's the job you're trying to get done? And, and it's always to me about that. It, it's not about adding on features and, 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 you know, coming up with the newest screen and more pixels and everything else. It's about thinking about what the consumer needs or the athlete needs uh, and getting there in the, in the fastest and most efficient and, and best way. I love your answer. He's literally one of the reasons I started this company. I took BSSE as well, Building and Sustaining Successful Enterprise. And it sounds like we took the same course. He's the godfather. Like, he's the godfather. And, you know, uh, he passed away this year, but he's like someone that will always influence my career. And if you haven't listened or read Jobs to Be Done, as John mentioned, please Google it. It's like phenomenal research. You should, everyone should think about 
what job are you actually solving for as you think about innovation? So uh, thank you for, for giving him a shout out. All right, who's the most innovative person in our industry, sports, media, or tech? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I've thought about this question a lot. I actually am going to go back historically, um, and I've thought, I'm just thinking about it in the lens of my career. And I really think like what happened to Disney in those late 90s was really a, a really pivotal moment. Um, I typically think like you can only judge or answer that question kind of with the benefit of history, right? Because you know, what seems like an amazing innovation in the moment, uh, you know, typically may not be very well. Mo most don't get sustained, right? Like I've seen so many things that were the hot new thing that they come and go. But I really think like what, what um, the leadership team did at Disney in the late 90s, I think was really innovative. And the way in which that business thought about intellectual property, thought about diversifying out into different businesses, thought about new forms of kind of taking intellectual property and reaching out across geographies and, and technology. So I'm going to give a shout out to like Michael Eisner and the team that, that was there. I learned a lot from them. That was kind of where I, I was brought up, so to speak, in my professional career. And I really think that that, that, that still has sustained the model. Um, and I think is the model that everybody still has kind of played from um, across across media and sports and technology. And I think it came later to sports, but it's very much the model that's now been kind of the last five or so years in the sports world. And I think it goes back to Disney model yeah. uh, that was that, that they really were the ones to, to invent. Mm -hmm. And again, great, great example for at the end of the day, sports is entertainment and yeah. who does it better than Disney. And as you mentioned, cross geographies across different product lines. So interesting uh, example, Michael Eisner. Yeah. And, and I really, and I just like, you're also just encourage people like, you know, again, things are, things are so often in our industry, you know, about what's hot and what's new and what's different. And, and you know, you really can't judge, judge success. And, you know, you have to, I think as a, as somebody in your career have to think with a longer, a longer time horizon. And, uh, you know, it, it amazes me. I, I always remember back to, to my school days, actually Warren Buffett came to speak uh, at, at, at school when I was there and it was in the height of like the dot-com boom. And I'll never forget like a big portion of my classmates like not attending the Warren Buffett speech because no one cared what Warren Buffett had to say about the world, you know, <laughs> and my, how things changed. And, you know, I, you know, we all have to be encouraged to, to try to, try to think a little bit longer term. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he's still a man. I mean, <laughs> I wish I bought some of his shares back in the day. <laughs> you know, the long game is where, where we have to be. And it's the thing that is the hardest to do. And if you're talking about innovation and disruption, you always have to have an eye on that to, to innovate, to have a budget, to allocate time and resources to do things differently. Yeah, that's uh and what was that school you went to? You keep referencing a school. You're not giving exactly. us yeah, well, yeah, somewhere in Boston, right? <laughs> All right, what's the most innovative company? Now let's get specific. Sports tech. Is there something in your athletes innovation hub or something that you're doing or just a company that you're really uh, paying attention to in in sports technology specifically? Um, you know, it's interesting, Angela. Like I I've been I've been we obviously are introducing a bunch of new technologies. We haven't announced the partners yet. I am still waiting to see kind of, you know, from my perspective, kind of what really is going to stand out and, and be, be that different. I think that, you know, I haven't, I'm yet to, to really dig in on what's working best for, for pro athletes. Um, and I think I end up, I think, measuring a lot of that through my own personal experience. And, and uh, I, I don't actually know that I have like the best answer to that one. Um, so I, uh, I'm excited a lot about, I think health and wellness and especially like mental well-being. I think that's such a huge, as we all know, that's such a huge issue. So I'm really particularly excited, I guess, about 
technologies that are really focused on, you know, our collective well-being and the well-being of individual athletes. I think, you know, there's a lot of attention on it, but I still think there's not enough attention on, on that aspect of, of sports performance and, and just, you know, us as, us as human beings. Yep. All right. Last one. Most innovative league team federation, not yourselves, because obviously you could say, man, we're crushing it. Who, who else do you look for inspiration yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I am going to stick close to home in that, you know, I had the, the privilege of, of working and I'm still on the board of, of New York City FC. Um, and that's part of City Football Group, which is based in Manchester. I give a real shout out to the leadership team at City Football Group. I mean, they, they are executing now. They're, they're like, uh, they're roughly almost 12 years, 13 years into a vision that they had for the globalization of sports that no one else saw coming and and only now like within the last two years that people tried to pick up on but they literally had a plan uh 12 years ago Fran Soriano is a CEO gets a tremendous amount of credit somebody I worked with um but he had this vision for creating a global soccer enterprise and owning teams in multiple countries and utilizing best practices and to see now um I think that vision it's one it's, it's one that sold me on on taking the job at New York City FC was being part of that group it's fun when I when I started my my career there. I, I went and spent months in in, in Manchester, and, and I think that vision they're still executing at an incredibly high level, and they were super far ahead. And I think, like I said, you know, these things are only measured over 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 time. And so, an idea that they had and they started executing on two thousand you know two thousand eight two thousand nine. Like it literally, it took so many more years for other people to pick up and even realize what was getting done. And by that time, they had five teams around the world and were really creating a global enterprise. And then you've seen that now replicated with teams and owners are trying to replicate that. But I think that was a huge idea and one that's really, really powerful. Awesome. Well, John, thanks again for being on the Fluid Fan Podcast. Uh, good luck with the launch and we'll, uh, we'll all be tuning in. Thanks. And thanks, Angela, again, you've been uh, an incredible supporter. I mean, the hard work we did on uh, on the consulting side and the advisory side, and then you've been an amazing supporter. Um, you know, it, it is interesting. We all know this, but whenever you're starting a new venture, um, you know, there are people who come on board early and then there's some people who wait, and, you know, wait and see. And uh, you were one of those people, you and Josh jumped in really early on and uh, wouldn't be here without you guys. So it's, uh, this is as much you guys as, as it is us. So we're thankful. Well, thanks for the kind words. I love what you're doing and I will always be a supporter and just wishing you and the, all the athletes at Athletes Unlimited the best of luck in this season. So thanks again and uh, yeah, go get them. <laughs> Take care. So big thank you to John Patrickoff for coming on the show today. I wish him and all the athletes at Athletes Unlimited the best of luck in your inaugural season with your first sport of softball this uh, this coming weekend, Sunday, August 30th. Encourage everyone listening to this podcast to tune in. You can check out all the action on ESPN2. They've obviously really leaned into the fluid fan experience and created a, a truly innovative style of play. So if you want to see our research put to action in a real league uh, live and see some amazing athletes with the really innovative concept, tune in again uh, this Sunday, the 30th. So I want to thank my producer, Jack Barlow, as well as the rest of the Sports Innovation Lab team for all the work that you do each and every day to help our clients stay ahead, and navigate this difficult market. There's a lot going on. And again, we do our best to stay on top of it and help the industry see where the puck is headed, see the future of sport. But I always want to close with thanking my listener, 
love your comments. Um, would love if you would subscribe to our show on iTunes. Leave me a review. Reach out on Twitter or LinkedIn at Sports iLab. Let me know what you think. What do you? Who do you want to hear from? What are the topics that are interesting to you? What do you want more of or less of? Obviously, this podcast is about helping the industry, helping the individual within the sports media and technology industry better understand technology, better understand fandom and what we need to do to be better versions of ourselves. That's why I do this show. I want to share what we learn each and every day at Sports Innovation Lab. After all, we are a research company that studies the future. And so I try to apply that to this podcast, but feedback, subscribing to our podcast, telling me what you think is greatly appreciated. So thanks again for listening. I'm Angela Ruggiero. I will see you next week on the Fluid Fan Podcast.